It absolutely is. I think physical therapy is one of the most flexible jobs that I've heard of. Throughout my career, I've worked 40, 50 hours a week. When I work full-time, I have weeks now where I work, you know, depending on if I take more patients, I'll have, you know, 40, 50 hours a week of patients. But then also I've had years in my career where I wanted to stay home with my children and I worked only on weekends. All right. I'm here with Michelle, who is a physical therapist. I remember being 16 years old and thinking deeply about what career I wanted to do. Physical therapy was actually high on that list because I had a high school coach that was a physical therapist that I liked a lot. So I'm excited to hear your perspective today, Michelle, on all things physical therapy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here and talk about my profession. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. What does a physical therapist do? Well, a physical therapist is a person who specializes in movement. And so we examine people who have dysfunctions in movement, whether it's weakness or pain or um, problems with um, specific structural uh, issues with their body. And we examine them. We look at their strength, their uh, range of motion, how well they can move and coordinate their movements. And then we kind of see where the areas are, uh, where they're lacking and where they're having issues. We also talk to them about their goals and we will put together a plan of care where we might use things like exercise Uh, We might do hands-on care like stretching, or we might use machines to kind of help restore that function as close to the patient's goals as we can. Michelle, how long have you been doing physical therapy? I've been a physical therapist for 32 years. All right. So a lot of wisdom and experience to talk to. I've got so many questions for you. I'm excited. That's great. What was the education that you got for this job? Did you need to get certified? And then after getting all your education and certifications, did you need to intern or like do a residency like in other medical professions? Like kind of talk us through that whole process. Okay. Well, uh, the profession has changed a lot in the requirements for the education from the time that I graduated uh, to the t- till now. Okay. Um, we have the uh, physical therapy profession has moved to a doctoral program. And so what a, a person now would do who wanted to become a physical therapist is that they would get a bachelor's degree in pretty much anything that they wanted to, keeping in mind that the physical therapy program afterwards that they would apply to will have certain prerequisites that they will also have to take. So after the bachelor's degree, you would then apply to the physical therapy doctoral program, which is an additional, usually additional three years. There are some programs that are kind of compressing that a little bit now. If, for example, if you got a bachelor's degree in business, you would need to make sure that you took prerequisites that would apply to physical therapy school, such as biology and anatomy and things like that. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so after the uh, bachelor's degree, you would then apply to a graduate program uh, that's certified in that's nationally certified. 
And if you are accepted into that program, it would be three years of combination clinical work in the clinic, working with patients and under the supervision of a physical therapist, as well as the coursework and the textbook work. That includes a, usually a full-time type of affiliation that varies in length, but usually around eight to 12 weeks. And then when you've graduated from that program, from the graduate program, you then are eligible to sit for the board exam. And that's a national exam. And when you pass that exam, you become licensed in the state that you intend to practice. So um, different, you can only practice in in the state that you're licensed for. Beyond that, once you're a practicing therapist, it requires so many hours of continuing education every year. That makes sense. To maintain that license. Gotcha. How difficult was that exam? Do you feel like the coursework properly prepared you for the exam or did you have to do a lot of additional study on your own to pass it? I think that obviously takes a lot of preparation, of individual preparation. Now, of course, when I graduated, there wasn't the internet and all the online (laughs) um, (laughs) help that you can get. But now what happens is I I feel like the program, the hardest part is getting into that physical therapy program. Yeah. uh, That graduate program. I think that's where the competition really comes in. And once you're in that program, uh, I think that they really work hard to see that their graduates pass that board exam through their preparation and their clinical work and their coursework. That's good. It does, it does take some time though on your own. It makes sense. Why did you choose physical therapy out of all the different routes that you can go kind of in the medical field or the helping professions? Why, what was it about physical therapy that drew you in? I think like you, I had um, a sports career, so to speak in high school. And, and growing up, um, I had my share of injuries. Uh, I saw other people have their share of injuries. And I didn't have a direct uh, relationship with the physical therapist, but I kind of was just interested in my own body and, and my injuries and how that went. And then I had a lot of people along the way that kind of helped me. I had um, a coach like you who encouraged me to be a student athletic trainer. So uh, I got to hang around with the football team and the basketball team and just kind of see how that whole health side works. I had a mentor in a hospital who let me come shadow uh, her and see what her career was like. Uh, And then they also encouraged me to take classes in high school that that would give me an idea of whether I even like that material. So such as, you know, anatomy and, and physics and things like that. So I, you know, each step along the way, I just liked it a little bit more and liked what I was doing. It seemed to come naturally for me to some degree. Uh, And so I just kind of continued on each step feeling like I was on the right path. Uh, I considered medical school, of course, that's, I think something when a high schooler wants to go into medicine and medical field, you jump right to, you know, a physician. Um, But in my experience, I, I really wanted a little more time with people and the patient. I wanted to have a little more of a personal interaction with them and get to know them a little bit better than what the medical, the MD field really allowed. And so this was a way to do that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So my next question, I feel like is kind of the meat of the show. I really want my audience to get a sense of what your typical day looks like. And I, I know that every day is probably a little bit different, but as much as you can talk in detail of just like, what, what are the tasks you work on each day? 
how often are you working with people? How often are you working on uh, maybe dealing with insurance companies or paperwork or whatever else it is that you do? If you just kind of want to riff on that. Sure. Uh, I have in 32 years, of course, I've, I've had a lot of different settings. I've worked in different settings. And so I've kind of specialized as time has gone on. And so I work for a home health company, uh, meaning I go into people's homes and provide physical therapy in their home setting. Okay. I also am able to take them out in the community. So, uh, and I also work with only neurological diagnosis at this point in time. So my day, basically, um, I have a list of patients that I schedule on my own with them, and we schedule a time to be together. The insurance companies usually give me a certain number of hours per week that I'm allowed to see that patient and bill for that time, and that includes my documentation time. So personally, you know, I'm trying to maximize my time with the patient and minimize my documentation time since it all imagine. comes out of the same bank. Yeah. But, but how I use that time with that patient is up to me. So I'm how long I see them each day. I may see them for a longer session one day and a shorter session another day, and it may vary week to week. So I love that no day is ever the same as the other one. And I'm rarely sitting down. So that's uh, definitely a perk of this type of job. Yeah. So I get up in the morning and I have a list of people to see. I usually drive to my first patient's house. We may do um, some home physical therapy, meaning usually that I'll try to get the patients to have an idea of what they want to work on both in the long-term and the short-term. So they may come one day and say, I have a doctor's appointment next week and I'm having trouble getting in and out of the car. So I need help. You know, they can't take me to my doctor's appointment if I can't get in my car. Mm -hmm. So we may spend that time working on getting in and out of their car with their family member and just practicing that, trying to figure out ways that might conserve energy and make them more independent. And uh, we may focus on doing something in the home. After that, I may go to my next patient. That person, we may be working more on a community reentry type of thing. So um, they're trying to get back into a life. Maybe they're maybe it's a different life than what they had before. They may be working full time before their stroke or whatever, and then they may now be trying to figure out how to fill that day because they're no longer working. Uh, so. I have, maybe I have a patient who wants to get into the community and maybe like just go to a senior citizen center. Mm -hmm. And so maybe hasn't had time to access those resources. So we may take an outing and go to the senior center. I'll be looking at how they walk, get in and out of the, the car, in and out of the building, how they manage doors how they manage going up and down a curb, ramps, how they manage people walking past them, because that can be distracting, how they handle the stimulation uh, of a big crowd or bright lights. And we may practice socializing, talking to people, practicing ahead of time. You know, what are you going to say to somebody if they ask what's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. How do you ask for someone to um, play a game with you or eat lunch with you? Can they carry the tray if they go to the senior centers for lunch? How are they going to manage that? So a lot of that is you don't think of as being physical, but it is a lot of practice and just repetition. 
And a lot of people, a lot of patients sometimes are just afraid to step out there on their own. So having a, someone with them to support them is, is helpful. Um, then I might go to my third patient of the day, I usually fit about three patients in okay, a day. I usually see them about two hours at a time. Uh, so the third patient, we may be doing something more physical, such as walking on a trail, walking on um, uneven surfaces and uneven ground. We may be working on um, just them being able to get down on the floor if they fall and get back up again outside just to give them more practice and more confidence. So any sort of physical therapy like that, um, we may do straight up exercises and go to a, a gym and kind of help them get going on an adaptive type of program where they, you know, can still do some exercise without, um, within their medical complication. And I may get them started on something like that. At the end of the day, I usually come back home and I usually will then write a note, treatment note for each patient. That takes about maybe altogether about 45 minutes to an hour each day that I'm out seeing patients. And then weekly, I'll have a brief 15-minute staffing conference with other therapists that are seeing that patient. So an OT, an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, social worker may also be seeing that patient. And together, we're a team. And we may discuss goals that we have as a team to help that patient get where they are. Excellent. That was so perfect. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. What other settings can a physical therapist work in? Because yours is dealing with neurological patients, people that may have had a stroke or some other type of you know, neuro injury, and you're also doing home health stuff. But I know that there's other settings that a physical therapist can work in. So what are some of those? Well, the most obvious place is a hospital, is yeah. working in a hospital. And that's where I started out and had a, a fairly long career um, working in with patients who have had just had surgery or who are in the more critical phase of their stroke or their head injury or their accident. I always, when I was younger, always said I wanted to work in a hospital or an airport because there was always something going on. Yep. People were always moving around. Um, and a hospital is definitely high energy and a very busy place where you may see instead of three patients a day, you may see 12 to 14 patients in a day. Yep. So a little bit faster pace. You can also work in an outpatient clinic and um, there's lots of different types of patients that you would see in an outpatient clinic. There's specific for sports medicine, there's um, orthopedic injuries, there's children working with children. And along that line, you physical therapists work in the school settings with, with children. They also will work in uh, other outpatient clinics like rehab hospitals, nursing homes, things like that. Michelle, what do you feel like is the most challenging part of the job for you? And then on the flip side, what's the best part of your job? I think the challenge, the a challenging part is just that there is not a usually a clear cut answer for each patient's problems or issues. So the real challenge is being flexible, being creative, keeping an open mind, um, and constantly trying to access different types of therapy that, uh, whether it be exercise or stretching or um, types of different types of, of movement strategies to get the most out of the patient. So that I feel like I'm always thinking, you know, how can I do this better? How can we be more successful? Yeah. 
It's not like there's always an obvious treatment plan, you know, oh, they, they came in, give them this medicine. All right, they're good to go. You know, exactly. that's, that's the answer to that. It's, there may be multiple ways to reach the goal. Right. That's right. And I think that um, if you end up in an orthopedic type of setting or a sports medicine where a patient has had an obvious surgery, then you may have specific instructions from the surgeon and you may um, be a little more, uh, it may be a little more defined on what you do at what points, but as you get into other diagnosis and as that person gets further out, then things become a little more, a little more flexible in what you can work on with them. Yeah. What's the best part of your job? Do you feel? I think the best part of my job is getting to know the families and the patient, uh, working in their home setting. You know, I really get to know them in a different way. I know their dogs, you know, I know their children, you know, I've gotten snacks for their children, you know, out of that, but but just understanding how that my patient fits into the scheme of their family and how they can and finding ways that they can feel like a productive member of a family or their support system and also finding ways for their support system to feel validated and have some relief and some support and just cheering them on so to speak i think that's a great a great part of my job yeah, it, it seems like it's very, the people aspect is such an important part of it. I think it would require a very compassionate person, which I can, I can tell just by talking <laughs> to you is you. So that kind of leads into another question. What kind of person do you think would be great at physical therapy? And then again, the flip side, who would maybe think that they're good at physical therapy or should go into that field, but might find out, you know what, this actually is not for me. Yes, definitely. I think the I think people who tend to excel in the profession of physical therapy tend to be like you said, they're compassionate people, but it's really not I think hard to be compassionate for someone who is who is struggling. You know, um I th- I think that's a lot of people have the ability for that. So what I think really helps in the profession of physical therapy is really being a good critical thinker, meaning, like I said, going back to that, always be thinking about, is there a different way we could do this? You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's another way I can get the same results as well as being, like I said, creative, uh, flexible, you know, being willing to sort of try different things and not be too in too um, stuck on like this is the only way and i think a person also you have to ramp up and become connected to a stranger basically very quickly yeah um so if you tend to be a more withdrawn and shy person even if you're like that, if you can get it out there for your job, <laughs> I mean, I tend <laughs> yep. to be a little more intro, a little more of an introverted person. Actually, I give a lot, but I can get out there for, you know, for a patient. It just requires some downtime, you know, on my off hours. I'm the exact same way, even though I've got this podcast where I talk to people all the time in my other job, I'm, I'm talking to people all day long. I need, I need those recharge hours, but yeah, being able to flip that switch is an important skill set. Us introverts right. learn, you know, you, you've got to do it. Right. And I think also, um, another thing I think that has been challenging for therapists is that you are always on when you're working, you're on. So if you have a cold or whatever, and you're just not quite feeling it, or you got a headache, your patient doesn't care. You know, <laughs> I mean, you have to be 
at that level to, to benefit that patient. Um, yeah, and you so can't mail it, it in while you're in front of a patient. No, you can't just sit at your desk and sulk while you're typing away or whatever. So that's another challenge, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then who would not be good for that job? I've seen in the past a lot of people and students who are really into the sports medicine and they want to become physical therapists because they want to do sports medicine. And that's great. But I think that people should understand before they get into it, that that is only a, that is like a considered a specialty of physical therapy. That is not all of physical therapy. And when you go through school, you will be expected to learn cardiac, you know, heart and lung rehab elderly, you'll be dealing with lots of elderly people and frail people. And so it's not just your young, healthy athletes. So I think that those people tend to struggle through physical therapy school because a big portion of it is not what they really love to do. And so I really recommend those type of people look into more of a sports specific, like athletic training or personal trainer or something like that, where your focus is on sports and sports medicine. Yeah, that makes sense. I would think that there would be a lot more opportunity dealing with the elderly population, because that's probably when your body, you know, is breaking down. And that's uh, especially even just demographically, the way that our nation is going, you know, we've got a big population of elderly people that are retiring or have already retired. And so I just think that people that are serving in the medical field towards catering towards that population, I would imagine that there's a lot more opportunity currently. Right, for sure. And um, I have a specialty certification in geriatrics, which is dealing with the elderly. And what we're finding is that as these people age, these baby boomers age, not only are we getting a larger population of those people, but those people are staying more active longer. So we're not necessarily just talking about a bunch of elderly people sitting in a nursing home, frail and unable to to take care of themselves. We're talking about older people, elderly, and what we call super seniors who are over 80. They're still very active that want to be involved in athletic pursuits that want to hike and, and continue to ride bikes and play tennis. And they have injuries and need care as well and rehab as well from an active standpoint, not just from the frail standpoint. That's good. That's encouraging to hear that we're seeing more of that. It gives, yes. gives me hope for, I don't know, just America in general. Yes, for sure. Is there anything that you wish that you knew when you were first starting out or in maybe in those first couple of years that if you're, you know, yourself now could go back in time and, and tell her, hey, Michelle, here's some things that might help you out along the way. What might some of those things be? I think one thing that I think about even now is that you as a therapist, you can only motivate so much that it really has to come from the patient, the the drive and the willingness really does have to come from the patient. And we can uh, encourage and we learn, we do take a fair amount of psychology classes to try to learn how to motivate people. But Um, It can be frustrating to, to feel like this person has potential that they could do more, but, but for whatever reason, they have some barriers with motivation that you're not going to be able to necessarily overcome as much as you would like. And I think I take that home with me a lot at night. I feel bad about it. I feel bad that they're not achieving their potential. And and so sometimes I think it, you know, it's really hard to just kind of let that go. 
Yeah. It's the old cliche. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You know, you can't make them well if they're not doing the exercises, if they're not, you know, following a treatment plan or trying at all, you you can't do it for them. And for sure, that's that's difficult. Yeah. And I think um, what a colleague told me one time, she said, well, maybe you didn't help them recover, but maybe you planted a seed. So maybe you, uh, maybe you did something, whereas they might come back in a month or two and, and be more ready. Yeah. Everybody's situation is different too. I would imagine mental health plays a lot, a big role in that as well. And that's why you probably work with so many other different professionals. It's not always just a physical issue. Sometimes maybe mental things can be manifesting themselves in physical ways. And that's why kind of a holistic treatment plan I would imagine is, is important. That's, that's definitely true. I think that mental health plays a huge role in, um, in a person's physical well-being. Um, they really go hand in hand. Um, the more we, you know, research has shown that, you know, people who are active have improved mental health and, and people who, you know, are happier, are usually more active. So it's how do you intercede into that loop and make a difference so that they can improve both of those things? When do you look at a patient and say, you know what, I might need to refer them out to a psychologist or some other mental health professional because I can only get so far doing what I'm doing. Is there a, is there a process for that? Is it kind of a judgment call? What does that look like? Sometimes it depends on the setting that you work in. I'm lucky that I work with a team. So I usually will have a social worker on my case. And so she will sort of champion that discussion because she has counseling experience uh, with a patient. Sometimes it's getting to know the patient and just kind of tentatively bringing it up and offering to help them find resources. Um, usually what happens is we will refer them back to their doctor, their primary care doctor, because that's the person who kind of coordinates everything. Makes sense. Yeah. And then we just really will encourage them. Sometimes, you know, we can make the call to the primary doctor, but a lot of times we will encourage the patient to make that call back and and just try to support them that that their concerns are valid and that, you know, there is help out there and that it will make a difference. It can make a difference in their life in more ways than just, you know, what they're thinking and just kind of give them, maybe give them that support and that encouragement, you know, that they're not, um, that it's not a bad thing to go back and to ask for some help in those ways. That's really good. What does turnover look like in physical therapy? Do people, once they get their degree and the certification and they're in the field, do they tend to stay or do you see people leave? And if they do leave, why do you think they leave? What have you seen? Uh, the, actually, I think that turnover in physical therapy is pretty low. Um, yeah, I think that people who get into it by the time you get through physical therapy school, (laughs) you kind of know that this is your thing or not. Uh, when people do leave, um, it is a very physical job and, um, you do have to be most for most of the physical therapy jobs. You do have to be pretty, um, able to lift lift patients, lift equipment, move equipment. So uh, some people do get out of it for that reason as they age or as they get older. Some people will move up into management for income opportunities. The The income in a physical therapy is, is good, but tends to get a little flat. There's not a lot of huge difference in, um, in income. So some people will move into, um, into a management position for that reason. Those are the biggest reasons that people leave the, leave the profession. 
Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned income. I, I have a question here about that without obviously getting personal. Can you give us an idea of maybe what a starting out physical therapist might make in today's market and then middle career, later career, kind of just general ideas that people know, are these numbers on the internet accurate or does it look different once you're actually in the field? I think that um, the starting salaries are hovering right around 60 to 70,000 a year, um, depending on what setting you work in. Uh, hospitals and things like that tend to pay a little bit lower than uh, home, like out in home health or private practice. The middle career, you know, I guess let me say that top of the career, uh, if you stay in practice and you don't move up into management, usually are topping out in the low 100s. Um, so there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of spread for income. Yeah. Gaps. So um, once you're in it, then there's a little bit of room. incremental growth, but not not yeah. these massive. Not yeah, correct. Where you could become a surgeon instead of a you know instead of a pediatrician and make an extra hundred two hundred thousand dollars a year. You know exactly. Of, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and you know to to keep in mind that that's after seven years of school. Right. So, and, and the doctoral program of physical therapy is a full time program, so it's not possible to do that at night. There are some uh, online programs that are starting, but they're still pretty much full-time um, is my understanding. So yeah. I would imagine it's a little bit difficult of a specialty to do online. Not that it can't be done, but just because of the hands-on nature of the role, you'd have to find other ways to do maybe labs or practicum or a lot of, you know, find there still would have to be that component of going in and dealing with people face-to-face -face that you get that experience. Right. That's exactly right. And, and the Committee of Accreditation of Physical Therapy um, programs will also has that requirement of so much contact hours, hands-on work with an instructor. And there's a ratio uh, requirement of instructor to students so that they get that personal interaction for the hands-on part of the therapy. Yeah. Well, this is kind of just a fun question I like to ask. If you weren't doing physical therapy, what would you be doing instead? I think that I would probably still be in the medical field. Um, I did say that I considered med school. I don't know if I would still do that. I, I really like the field of dietetics and dietitians. So um, that's kind of an, a side interest that I have. So maybe I would do that. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you know of any other jobs surrounding yours that maybe aren't exactly physical therapy that are good options that maybe people just don't know about or it's not as talked about? Because I think everybody has an idea. Oh, yeah, I know what a physical therapist does, but there may be some surrounding positions that nobody would even consider because they've never really heard of them. All right. Can you kind of talk to some of the other positions within your field? So the one that comes to mind, which is becoming a hot, a hot profession to talk about is occupational therapy. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've interviewed anybody. Uh, tomorrow, actually, is okay. um, interviewing Yeah, one of your other colleagues, I think. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I won't spoil her information, but I think that um, occupational therapy is something very similar to physical therapy that is not just about jobs, but uh, I think that that's something that you don't hear about as much. That's a very interesting and related type of profession. And then we do have physical therapy assistants. So, um, you know, that's a person who works under the license. They have their own license, but they also work under the supervision of a physical therapist. And that's a two-year degree. So that's an associate's degree. Okay. Um, and that's very comparable to what a physical therapist does. 
do they typically, the people that are physical therapist assistants and they get that two-year degree, do they typically go on to become physical therapists or does it just vary depending on the person? Is that, because I've had several friends that I know of that have gotten that degree with the goal of becoming physical therapists and then they ended up doing something else completely actually. They did something else in the medical field. What have you seen? I have not seen many physical therapy assistants go on to physical therapists. The job is pretty similar. The income is, of course, different, but not terrible. So um, I think it's a very comparable job to physical therapy. And I've seen one or two here and there go on to be physical therapists, but most of them stay physical therapy assistants, or like you said, they go on to some other type of job. Okay, good. What's the work-life balance like, Michelle? Do you work nine to five? I know you said you kind of schedule the patients for yourself, but are people typically working 60 hours a week, 50 hours, 40 hours? Is it possible to do this part-time? It absolutely is. I think physical therapy is one of the most flexible jobs that I've heard of. Throughout my career, I've worked 40, 50 hours a week. When I work full-time, I have weeks now where I work, you know, depending on if I take more patients, I'll have, you know, 40 50 hours a week of patients. But then also I've had years in my career where I wanted to stay home with my children and I worked only on weekends. So my husband stayed home with the kids on the weekends and then I could be home during the week. I've worked part-time. I've had hospitals that have hired me to work just from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You know, through that time. So it really depends on the, the setting that you're working in and the job market at the time how needed physical therapy is. And then if you are in that part-time, that's what they call kind of an as-needed basis. And so that waxes and wanes depending on the census. Usually that's in hospitals and nursing homes where that where they hire those part-time. Yeah, it's nice that there's an option because I know with a lot of medical jobs, you're not going to get away with a 40-hour work week. It's just not done. Right. So it's, it's good to know that there are some potentially good-paying jobs out there that you don't always have to sell your soul to, <laughs> to, put, it, to put it that way. Yeah, that's true. Getting close to wrapping up here. Do you have any funny or interesting on the job stories that kind of just give a little bit of flavor to uh, the job itself? You know, funny stories. I don't have too many funny stories. (laughs) 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 Um, I think uh, some of the more heartwarming stories, you know, that kind of give you an idea of how much you, you don't really understand how much you impact a life, you know, until you kind of reflect on some of those patients that you've had. But um, I had a patient several years ago who was, had been ill for a long time. He had been in and out of hospitals and um, the doctor ordered therapy for him. And it happened to be around the Christmas season. So we came in and we did therapy for a while and he got stronger, was able to participate. You know, one of our sessions, we worked on standing balance while decorating the Christmas tree, you know, with his family and bending and reaching for ornaments and putting them up high and, and all of that. Um, And then one time we took an outing and we went out to Target and we let him pick out Christmas presents for his family. And, you know, after the holidays were over, his family, and he eventually ended up passing away. And that was his last Christmas Hmm. with his family. And his family just thanked us 
before they said, um, you know, you, you don't understand how awesome that was. Like that was the first Christmas we'd had in three years where he hadn't been in and out of the hospital. We actually had a family time. We had, we had time as a family and we had fun and he was really proud of his presence. And, and we just can't, you know, we'll, we'll always have that. And it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't done therapy and, and gotten stronger. So I think those types of things are, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, you know, for the patients who, you know, you don't get quite where you want them to get either because of motivation or just because they're, um, they're sick, or they just physically aren't capable of recovering the way you want them to, you know, you, you have a story like that. And you're like, okay, I'm making a difference in this world. Yeah, that has to feel super rewarding. It does for sure. I love it. So Michelle, final question for you. What's the best practical advice you would give to someone who wants to do what you do? Are there any resources or next steps to pursue or any like professional organizations that maybe they could join to learn more, whatever direction you want to take with that? I think um, one great resource to access is the American Physical Therapy Association, and that's www.apta.org. Okay. On there, they, you can uh, search how to become a physical therapist, and they have links that will show you like a list of schools that are accredited. They recommend that you do, and then those schools will have links that have their requirements. So, you know, a lot of times the schools will have information about this is the average GPA that we accept. This is the, you might need to have some volunteer hours before you apply. Um, these are the courses that you need to take, uh, to make sure that you're qualified and they kind of consolidate a lot of that onto that website. I think that if you're in high school and you're kind of interested in that, uh, or even, you know, younger than high school, I think just starting out, taking some science classes, big classes for physical therapists, like foundational classes are biology, chemistry, and physics. Anatomy and physiology is a great one too. Uh, a lot of the high schools, I don't know where you are, um, in Texas, there was a big push for some technical training. And so some of these high schools now are offering pre-physical therapy classes where they get a flavor of what it is. That's um, awesome. I didn't know. About yeah, that. I think those are great opportunities for kids who are younger now to get a little more involved in that. Hospitals and things like that are getting a little stricter with people just coming into shadow now that we have privacy laws and yeah. things. So that's a little bit difficult, but I think those that those classes are just really helpful. Awesome. Michelle, thank you so much. I feel like I learned so much and I, I almost wish that I could go back to my 18-year-old self, my 16-year-old self and say, hey, you know what? Physical therapy really might be a good option because yeah, I, I could definitely see myself doing that. And I know that it's everything that I've looked into, it seems like a great job to have. And so I hope that, I hope that some of our listeners found this really helpful. I think they will. Appreciate your help so much. All right. Well, it was wonderful to talk to you and share information about the profession that I love. And so I thank you for your time and I hope it's helpful to somebody out there. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? 
let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.